0: section fourteen of the life of samuel johnson volume two by james boswell this is a librivox recording or librivox recordings are in the public domain on the twenty-sixth of october we dined together at the mitre tavern i found fault with foot for indulging his talent of ridicule at the expense of his visitors which i colloquially termed making fools of his company johnson why, sir, when you go to see foot, you do not go to see a saint. You go to see a man who will be entertained at your house, and then bring you on a public stage. Who will entertain you at his house, for the very purpose of bringing you on a public stage. So he does not make fools of his company. They whom he exposes are fools already. He only brings them into action. talking of trade he observed it is a mistaken notion that a vast deal of money is brought into a nation by trade it is not so commodities come from commodities but trade produces no capital accession of wealth however though there shall be little profit in money there is a considerable profit in pleasure as it gives to one nation the productions of another as we have wines and fruits and many other foreign articles brought to us, Boswell, yes, sir, and there is a profit in pleasure by its furnishing occupation to such numbers of mankind, Johnson, my sir, you cannot call that pleasure to which all are averse and which none begin but with the hope of leaving off a thing which men dislike before they have tried it. And when they have tried it boswell but sir the mind must be employed and we grow weary when idle johnson that is sir because others being busy we want company but if we were all idle there would be no growing weary we should all entertain one another there is indeed this in trade it gives men an opportunity of improving their situation. If there were no trade, many who were poor would always remain poor. But no man loves labour for itself. Boswell. Yes, sir, I know a person who does. He is a very laborious judge, and he loves the labour. Lord Affleck, we may assume. Johnson said of Pope that He was one of those few whose labour is their pleasure. Works, volume eight, page three to one, and a footnote. Johnson. Sir, that is because he loves respect and distinction. Could he have them without labour? He would like it less. Boswell. He tells me he likes it for itself. Why, sir, he fancies so, because he is not accustomed to abstract. we went home to his house to tea. Mrs. Williams made it with sufficient dexterity, notwithstanding her blindness, though her manner of satisfying herself that the cups were full enough appeared to me a little awkward, for I fancied she put her finger down a certain way till she felt the tea touch it. Note. I have since had reason to think that I was mistaken, for I have been informed by a lady who was long intimate with her, and likely to be a more accurate observer of such matters, that she had acquired such a niceness of touch as to know by the feeling on the outside of the cup how near it was to being full Boswell. Beretti, in a manuscript note on the Piozzi letters, says, I dined with Dr. Johnson as seldom as I could, though often scolded for it, But I hated to see the victuals poured by poor mrs williams that would often carve though stone-blind. In my first elation at being allowed the privilege of attending dr Johnson at his late visits to this lady, which was like being e secretioribus consiliis, I willingly drank cup after cup, as if it had been the Helconian spring but as the charm of novelty went off i grew more fastidious and besides i discovered that she was of a peevish temper there was a pretty large circle this evening dr johnson was in very good humour lively and ready to talk upon all subjects mr ferguson the self-taught philosopher told him of a new-invented machine which went without horses a man who sat in it turned a handle which worked a spring that drove it forward then sir said johnson what is gained is the man has his choice whether he will move himself alone or himself and the machine too domicetti being mentioned he would not allow him any merit an Italian quack, who in 1765 established medicated baths in Walk, Chelsea, Croker, in the footnote. There is nothing in all this boasted system. No, sir. Medicated baths can be no better than warm water. Their only effect can be that of tepid moisture. One of the company took the other side, maintaining that medicines of various sorts, and some too of most powerful effect, are introduced into the human frame by the medium of the pores and therefore when warm water is impregnated with salutiferous substances it may produce great effects as a bath this appeared to me very satisfactory johnson did not answer it but talking for victory and determined to be master of the field he had recourse to the device which Goldsmith imputed to him in the witty words of one of Sibber's comedies There is no arguing with Johnson, for when his pistol misses fire, he knocks you down with the butt end of it. Note. The same saying is recorded post may fifteenth, seventeen eighty four, and in Boswell's Hebrides. Cook reports another saying of Goldsmith's to the same effect. There is no chance for you in arguing with Johnson. Like the Tartar horse, if he does not conquer you in front, his kick from behind is sure to be fatal. Forster's Goldsmith. In arguing, wrote Sir Joshua Reynolds, Johnson did not trouble himself with much circumlocution, but opposed directly and abruptly his antagonist. He fought with all sorts of weapons ludicrous comparisons and similes if all failed with rudeness and overbearing he thought it necessary never to be worsted in argument he had one virtue which i hold one of the most difficult to practise after the heat of contest was over if he had been informed that his antagonist resented his rudeness he was the first to seek after a reconciliation. That he was not thus strenuous for victory with his intimates in a -a tete-a-tete conversation, when there were no witnesses, may be easily believed. Indeed, had his conduct been to them the same as he exhibited to the public, his friends could never have entertained that love and affection for him which they all feel and profess for his memory. Taylor's Reynolds end of footnote He turned to the gentleman. Well, sir, go to Dovichetti and get thyself fumigated. Be sure that the steam be directed to thy head, for that is the peccant part. This produced a triumphant roar of laughter from the motley assembly of philosophers, printers, and dependents, male and female. I know not how so whimsical a thought came into my mind, but I ask, if, sir, you were shut up in a castle, and a new-born child with you, what would you do? Johnson. Why, sir, I should not much like my company. Boswell. But would you take the trouble of rearing it? He seemed, as may well be supposed, unwilling to pursue the subject, but upon my persevering in my question he replied why yes sir i would but i must have all conveniencies if i had no garden i would make a shed on the roof and take it there for fresh air i would feed it and wash it much and with warm water to please it not with cold water to give it pang but sir does not heat relax johnson so you are not to imagine the water is to be very hot. I would not coddle the child. No, sir, the hardy method of treating children does no good. I'll take you five children from London who shall cuff five Highland children. Sir, so a man bred in London will carry a burthen or run or wrestle as well as a man brought up in the hardiest manner in the country. Boswell good living i suppose makes the londoners strong johnson why sir i don't know that it does our chairmen from ireland who were as strong men as any have been brought up upon potatoes quantity makes up for quality boswell would you teach this child that i have furnished you with anything johnson No, I should not be apt to teach it. Boswell, Would you not have a pleasure in teaching it? Johnson, No, sir, I should not have a pleasure in teaching it. Boswell, Have you not a pleasure in teaching men? There I have you. You have the same pleasure in teaching men that I should have in teaching children. Johnson, Why, something about that. Boswell, do you think, sir, that what is called natural affection is born with us? It seems to me to be the effect of habit, or of gratitude for kindness. No child has it for a parent whom it has not seen. Johnson, why, sir, I think there is an instinctive natural affection in parents towards their children. Russia being mentioned as likely to become a great empire by the rapid increase of population. Johnson. Why, sir, I see no prospect of their propagating more. They can have no more children than they can get. I know of no way to make them breed more than they do. It is not from reason and prudence that people marry, but from inclination. Inclination. A man is poor, he thinks, I cannot be worse, so I'll intake take Peggy. Boswell. But have not nations been more populous at one period than another? Johnson. Yes, sir. But that has been owing to the people being less thinned at one period than another, whether by emigrations, war, or pestilence, not by their being more or less prolific. Births at all times bear the same proportion to the same number of people. Boswell, but to consider the state of our own country, does not throwing a number of farms into one hand hurt population? Johnson, why no, sir, the same quantity of food is being produced, will be consumed by the same number of mouths, though the people may be disposed of in different ways. We see if corn be dear, and butchers' meat cheap, the farmers all apply themselves to the raising of corn till it becomes plentiful and cheap, and then butchers' meat becomes dear, so that an equality is always preserved. No, sir, let fanciful men do as they will depend upon it. It is difficult to disturb the system of life. Boswell But, sir, is it not a very bad thing for landlords to oppress their tenants by raising their rents? Johnson, very bad, sir. But, sir, it never can have any general influence. It may distress some individuals. But consider this. Landlords cannot do without tenants. Now, tenants will not give more for land than land is worth if they can make more of their money by keeping a shop or any other way they'll do it and so oblige landlords to let land come back to a reasonable rent in order that they may get tenants land in england is an article of commerce a tenant who pays his landlord his rent thinks himself no more obliged to him than you think yourself obliged to a man whose shop you buy a piece of goods He knows the landlord does not let him have his land for less than he can get from others in the same manner as the shopkeeper sells his goods no shopkeeper sells a yard of ribbon for sixpence when sevenpence is the current price boswell but sir is it not better that tenants should be dependent on landlords johnson why sir as there are many more tenants than landlords perhaps strictly speaking we should wish not but if you please you may let your lands cheap and so get the value part in money and part in homage i should agree with you in that boswell so sir you laugh at schemes of political improvement johnson Why, sir, most schemes of political improvement are very laughable things. He observed, Providence has wisely ordered that the more numerous men are, the more difficult it is for them to agree in anything. And so they are governed. There is no doubt that if the poor should reason, we'll all be poor no longer, we'll make the rich take their turn, they could easily do it were it not that they can't agree so the common soldiers though so much more numerous than their officers are governed by them for the same reason he said mankind have a strong attachment to the habitations to which they have been accustomed you see the inhabitants of norway do not with one consent quit it and go to some part of America, where there is a mild climate, and where they may have the same produce from land, with a tenth part of the labour. No sir, their affection for their old dwellings, and the terror of a general change, keep them at home. Thus we see many of the finest spots in the world thinly inhabited, and many rugged spots well inhabited. The London Chronicle, footnote: He had written the introduction to it, end of footnote, which was the only newspaper he constantly took in, being brought. The office of reading it aloud was assigned to me. I was diverted by his impatience. He made me pass over so many parts of it that my task was very easy. He would not suffer one of the petitions to the king about the Middlesex election to be read. Footnote. See post beginning of 1770. End of footnote. End of section 14.